Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Neil and Jordan podcast, the podcast where two comedians talk like experts on subjects they are not experts on. This podcast is very proudly sponsored by Crush Organic CBD Oil. Uh, if you struggle with anxiety, if you struggle with sleep, if you struggle with general relaxation, go to crushorganics.com. That's Crush Organics with a K and use the code Neil. You'll get 40% off their wide range of CBD oil products. I use the platinum oil. They've got the diamond oil. They've got uh, gummies. They've got bath bombs. They've got everything. Absolutely everything. So get on that, crushorganics.com. Use the code Neil for 40% off. Uh, Jordan just came into my apartment, and the first thing he said in his uh, uh, very positive tone was, uh, <laughs> do you know who sucks? He didn't even he, he hardly walked in the door, and he just said, do you know who sucks? <laughs> and then he said, Gary V. <laughs> Well, thanks for throwing me under the bus. Well, I'm sure there's going to be a lot of people that heavily disagree with me, but here's my retort. I don't like how he swears so much, which is incredible for me to say, but I don't like it being reflected back. And as a result, I'm going to try and institute a swear jar of which there will be no jar and no money and there will be no negative repercussions to it. Look, I'm just saying I'm, I'm, I'm heaving out the old sailor talk because it, that actually happened while I was watching him. I, I was thinking, use your words, Gary. Can you do oh, a, that's awful. Can you do a Gary V impression? Let me give you like a... Tell you what fucking sucks. It fucking sucks, man. You got to work. You got to use your 20s to work. Is that... He gets, he gets really high, doesn't he? Uh, it's, it's just a very uh, perfect example of small man syndrome. And I know all about that. He's really lent into his small man syndrome. <laughs> he has. There's just, I, I think that that's the whole thing. I, I can't put my finger on it. There's something that just turns me off it. And so I fully understand people now when they're like, how do you like Jordan Peterson? And they're clearly just looking for reasons to hate him because I am just at that moment with Gary Vee. I can't rationally say why. I'm just trying to attach it to anything I can just to justify the feeling that that man gives me. But I think that that's fine. That's fine that there is self-help out there and, you know, it's just different shows for different folks. It's a bit some of- Some people a, like it, some people don't, you know. It's a, he's kind of appropriated black culture, hasn't he? Yes, he has. He has. That's a good reason to hate him. And he's done it in a very cringy way. <laughs> he really has. Do you think so? I don't hate him. I, 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 he hasn't uh, resonated with me in the same way other self-help gurus have. Maybe that's why you don't like Who him. Who resonates with of... you the most? Jordan Peterson. Yeah, obviously. Number one. Yeah. Um, I do like Tony Robbins. Uh, Who doesn't? Yeah. I really like Mark Manson. I know you don't really like him. Yeah, I hate Mark. You don't like people who swear. In self-help. Because I think that it's the... And I can't talk because I've got an entire channel of me swearing with self-help. But it's just I don't like that that is a product of our generation. I've said it before. I'll say it again. I do not like Gen X's and Gen Y's interpretation of what self-help should be. It peaked with guys wearing pinstripe suits with a watch in the front cover in the 80s. Like in a, in a high rise in Manhattan, that's where it peaked. It's a bit pathetic when you think about it that there are people out there that aren't responding to traditional self help, and when they hear someone swearing, they're like, "Oh, that's cool, man." I know. And and here's the other thing. That's the majority of people now because that's right next to the Stephen King books in the airport, and that means 
that what isn't resonating with people is, hey, do you want to aspire to be the guy in the skyscraper? Which, yeah, okay, you can say that's materialistic and whatever, but like these guys are materialistic as well. It's just kind of like, yo, look at how many followers they have online. That was from Hustle, yo. I hate that as well because, okay, I'm constantly saying you have to work hard in life, but it's the same thing. It's just, dude, it's not a coal mine. Stop saying hustle and grind when you're talking about just splaying your thoughts out on a camera phone and uploading it. I guess you can say that you could be consistent. I guess you could say that you can like develop a skill. That's all well and good. But these ideas of like it's hard manual labor and it's Gary, look at yourself in the mirror. You're not grinding. You know, I think uh, <laughs> I've got a great character that I think you'd be a big fan of. And yes. his name is Charles D. Yes. Now, I don't know if you've heard of him, but I think you'd like him. He's definitely on. He, he's actually a much more hilarious subsect of self-help, which is the type that have to appear in an ad before your YouTube channel appears. I mean, your, your video goes. Way too much of that now. Every way too bad is just depending on the theme of YouTube video I'm watching, there's some sort of entrepreneur spruiking their course before the video. And it's always <laughs> the same. It's a, it's a screenshot of their, their monthly revenue. Mm. And I, I can show you how I made this much revenue. Just join my course. Mm. And I think... They are actually relying on people to join the course to make that revenue. It's such a pyramid scheme. And it's just aimed at a generation that didn't know what Amway was. That's all it is. But it's the exact same structure. I, I really... I don't know what it... I, you know what it is? It's just that whole self-help world of our generation. I understand, I think now, why boomers are always boomers that I know are always just like, I hate Tony Robbins and they've never really seen anything of him. I think it's just because of their generation, he represented the part of the eighties that they hated the most. And I think that that's what Gary V is to our generation is just that part of the internet where you think, can't I press skip already? <laughs> I think that's it. I think it's just something about it that's like, okay, dude, I know that you're spooking success, but I don't want your brand of success. I don't like where you're going with it. Shit. Sorry. <laughs> that's all good. Maybe I do need it. You need a bit of that grind, the hustle mentality, bro. Maybe I need a bit of the hustle mentality, seeing as I just got out my headphones by hitting it with my own foot. It doesn't seem like a really mastered life. Yeah, I wonder why... Uh... But that's don't, the, the two, who is it modern? Okay, we're talking okay, look, modern the, self-help yes. gurus. Who's it's, there? There's Jordan it's Peterson, Jordan Peterson, and, and Gary Vee. Those are the two self-help gurus for men in their twenties yeah. of our generation, and they are very different, <laughs> to say the least. I, I think I think that there's version. a certain there's like an IQ ceiling to which you can understand fully understand fully grasp Jordan Peterson. I know the the criticism is that man, he's like the philosopher for low IQ people. But he's also the self-help guru for reasonably high IQ people. And I think Gary V is the self-help person for lower IQ people. Or just people so who true. listen to a lot of rap. <laughs> they're, they're the same thing. I'm with you, man. The older I'm getting. I used to love hip-hop. And now I'm like, ah, oh, the themes. It's all bang this and hose that. I, it's true, though. It, it is, is all true. bang this and all. Like, this. 
only so much you can listen to it and it's called being in your late teens and then after that like it's diminishing returns from then on then, then you move into yeah. your like yeah. i don't know man there's some pretty deep rappers out there yeah but when it gets to that point it's kind of poetry yeah. and let's be honest poetry is a old art form that is dying for a reason it's not that impressive in the age of tiktok can't really hold your attention because you have to think too much about it yeah. so it moves out of the cool beats of just being like yeah Again, yeah, like what you say with Gary Vee, it's just like ultimate success and fucking a lot of women and have a, you know, let's be honest, very impractical car. Yeah, I think it's sad in a way. The 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 necessity for particularly young men to have to feel like they're financially successful. This is such a cliche, but coming from someone who has, who is a famous comedian and who's, I don't know, I'm not financially rich anymore. Not that I even was, but when I was 19, I was making more than it, most other people who were 19. It's such a cliche, but it won't bring you happiness. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> it really won't. <laughs> I mean, it's not bad, but there are other things that are important. Yeah, but you know what is guaranteed to bring you happiness? Doing stupid pranks with your guy friends. That is a ticket to happiness. Money isn't. Snorting Ritalin and then <laughs> pegging pedestrians with eggs will bring you happiness. How old? One minute you're saying Gary V swears too much and now you're saying the key to happiness is pegging, pegging eggs, eggs. eggs and pedestrians. How'd you just go from like 30 <laughs> to 13? Because I was just thinking about it like, dude, what what is the happiest moments of my life? And it's that. Playing punishment poker, which was just more stupid dares of like, put chili sauce on your butt. Oh, it stings, man. Like, and it was just like, it's those the were the happiest moments of my life. The happiest moments of your life. Easy. Like, Damn, I'm bro. Jackass figured out true and light. Like, forget the Dalai Lama. Forget it. It's doing idiotic stunts <laughs> and it's pissing people like pedestrians off. Just like when they're about true. to do a golf swing being like, Bee! With a horn. I feel like there's just layers of ego that have forced us to try and justify <laughs> that level of comedy with just layers of intelligence when really we're all laughing at the same thing. Exactly. <laughs> and you know what, actually? Speaking of being offended at swear words, we've got our first shout out on this podcast. Uh, if you missed the last couple of podcasts, we're now offering shout outs, $5 a month. Our questions are also $15 a month. Topics are $50 a month. All the money goes straight to charity. So if you want to support charity, uh, subscribe. And you get either a shout-out, a question, or a topic answered. So this one comes from Ben and his shout-out. My band, The Opinion Industry's new song, Karen. Jordan is uh, really epitomizing Karen today. We'll be out on Friday, the 12th of November on all platforms, Spotify, YouTube, etc. <laughs> if you could give a shout out, that would be great. Well, we will we post the link. We'll post the link on the YouTube video of this podcast. So the Opinion Industry's new song, Karen, will be out on Friday, 12th of November. Check that one out. I like your name. I like your band name. The Opinion Industry. And Karen, haven't heard that one before. So I think that I, I do, I think that you've actually onto a winner with the name of your band. And so let me just be probably not the first to say, but um, 
cool. Cool, dude. Could, yeah, there could be some righteous tones in that. Could we be a lot of swearing. Did I yeah. Do you think? Well, I, it's, it's Karen. I don't know. Man, imagine if that guy has a poster of Gary V in his room. Being like, <laughs> ultimate success. <laughs> <laughs> but see, this is the thing, right? Does anyone look at Gary V and think ultimate success? That's the whole thing. Like, because when you look at Tony there. Robbins, you think, yes. There's something yeah, to aspire to. Jordan of, Peterson again. Yeah, I can aspire to that. There's a big physical difference that uh, even as a small man, I'll admit it. I mean, you look at Tony Robbins and you're like, that guy is enigmatic. He's got the big booming voice and he is what? Six foot six. Yes. Huge. Huge. He looks like a leader. Gary V just looks like the kind of sneaky monkey that <laughs> hangs out <laughs> around the pack, just hustling, mm. quote unquote hustling. Mm. Grinding. Yeah, and when there's a female chimp that's a bit off guard, swoops in and basically rapes her. Yeah, the sneak one. The sneaky chimp. Yeah. That's his version. Oh, my God. Maybe that is her whole thing. Maybe that's actually the reason that I don't like him. It's kind of just there's this whole thing of like, I don't want to hear tips on how to improve your life from you. All right? Damn. You really hate the guy. Maybe you're projecting. Maybe you see a little bit of yourself in him. See, that was the other thing that uh, I was hoping that I could keep secret from this podcast. But yes, I, I, that did cross my mind as well. And I was just, everything that I hate about him, I hate in my own presentation. Yeah, we've, we've expressed our hatred for a lot of things on this podcast. And I think it's a fair assumption to say that we uh, secretly hate a lot of things about ourselves. It has to be. We all do. Everyone th- does. It's it's a it is a self help trope in itself, and I can't figure out if it's true or not. And speaking of which, you want to talk about you want to talk about meaning, don't you? Existentialism. We for the first time we're only what one hundred and three episodes in, one hundred and two. The first time we actually did some backgrounding. Of what we were going to discuss because neither Neil or I were particularly sure what the meaning of existentialism was. And we were going to do an entire podcast on something we didn't know the pain. Not even the word. Didn't even know the word. And the thing was I was trying to come up with the the just the concept of existing because I was out with my girlfriend the other night. And we were discussing with one of her friends, The Twilight Zone. You ever seen that? No, I don't think I have. It always comes up as one of the greatest TV shows ever made. It's kind of like the Citizen Kane of stuff that took, I'm assuming, the slot of Hercules, 6.30 Saturdays, right? Is it on any of the major streaming platforms? That's the big question. They got the new version, and of course it's done by that fuck from Key and Peele. I, I don't even want to touch it. Damn. Another one. There we go. Just yeah, chuck yeah, him yeah. under the bus as well. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Can we just do an entire podcast? People Jordan hate. <laughs> you could. You could fill a podcast with that. I think we could fill a whole podcast series. Don't you? I, mean, I, I think we could, we could do this again. What half the podcast is is just people Neil and Jordan hate. Yep. It is. Very cynical. You know, you should yep. do a podcast with Eliza once. 
who, if you don't listen to Sex Sales, is my co-host on that one. She's hates a lot of people. No, no, she's the, the complete opposite. <laughs> <laughs> she's a very positive person who sees the good in people. Oh yeah, yeah. Is there anyone I, she hates? Um, I. That's a good. Qu- I'll. I'll ask, ask her, her that. Ask I'll her ask that. her. But her immediate instinct is that person's all right. Yep, because she works with, uh, you know, very psychologically damaged people and she tries to help them. So I think she has to at least humanize them. But I don't think she can. I don't think, it, I don't think it's professionally possible for her to uh, hate people. I got to say, every time I listen to her podcast, I always think, man, I wish that I had her life instead of mine. First thought. That's a, that's a big call. You got a, you got a pretty good life. <sighs> okay, is this a good life? And then you know what else the New South Wales fixated persons unit did? Disgraceful. Coming up next week, we're going to be talking about how disgraceful the fixated persons unit is. Oh, and in between, they're taking away your internet rights. Um, okay, now it's time for that one hour a week where I talk about believing in yourself. Let me just say exactly what Gary V did, and then go on the Neil and Jordan podcast and talk about how shit Gary V is. <laughs> <laughs> like, wow! Like if you, if, if you, uh, you could my bro. life, <laughs> I think you've got a fantastic life. I think it's a very labor. Yes. It's laborious in the in the sense of your day to day tasks, which are uh, uh, take a lot of effort. But the legacy that you've created, the changes that you've made, yes. But okay, what I'm saying is, it's a heavy space to inhabit. Hmm. As opposed to having the life of somebody that sits there doing those kind of things and being like, that's a nice picture. Oh, is that, oh that's your dead mum, isn't it? Oh, okay, let's talk about that. That seems so much nicer. The grass is always greener. The grass is always greener, you're right. And so does this relate to your uh, uh, desire to explore existentialism? Are you having an existential crisis? No. It. Well, look, let me just give you this background. What is so disturbing about The Twilight Zone. It's one of those shows where you watch an episode, and even though it was made in the 50s or 60s, Mm -hmm. it's black and white. I was even watching the 80s one. I haven't even seen a full episode of the old Twilight Zone. I've seen it parodied, and other people have told me about it, and I've listened to audiobook versions of it. Um, Radio drama. But I haven't actually watched the original, and that's supposed to be the good one. But I've, you know, I'm underst- I understand the general concept because I've seen other versions of it. But let me give you an example of an episode. I can't even remember which season this was in the 80s or the 50s one. But there's this episode where a guy who I think is a gambling addict, he just keeps walking into this casino. And then they go, all right, uh, would you like to bet on black, Mr.? Blackshin, and then he goes, "Yeah, yeah, I'd like to bet on black." And he goes, "Black, you win." And then everybody goes, "Yay!" And then he has a party, and then he wakes up, and then he goes to the casino again. And he goes, "Would you like to spin again?" And he goes, "Yep." And he goes, "Black, you win." And then everyone has a party. Yay! He goes to sleep. He does it again, and he wins again. And eventually, he starts losing the joy of it, and he asks, "Why do I keep winning?" And they go, "Didn't you know, Mister Blackshin, you're dead?" And then he goes, "Holy shit!" Am I in heaven? And then he goes, no, Mr. Blackshin, you're in hell. And then he's like, no. And then the music goes, and 
and shows the door that opens up. It's just like, consider the case of Mr. Blackson, a man who thought he had it all and then found out that that's not all it's cracked up to be because he just entered the Twilight Zone. And then you just like, and, and, and dude, and, and what is weird is at the end okay. of all of these episodes, not every one of them, like some of them don't hit right, but the general point is that it's the difference between disturbing and scary, you know, like the one where you sit up in bed, you stare at your ceiling and then you don't go to sleep. You're just staring, you're thinking about the show and it's kind of just, uh, it weirds you out. And I was trying to figure that out with my girlfriend. I said, what is that? What is the difference between that and your classic horror of opening the door and then there's a ghoul behind her going, Ugh. and she was saying that one is sort of questioning your existence. Sure. Puts you in a weird scenario, like another one where this guy, he crashes his car, he's an alcoholic, he goes into a bar, everyone's his mate. They say, you can have this bar for, I don't know, 10 bucks or whatever. He wakes up the next day, he sees his dead body out where the car's been hit and he's inside there and then the bartender just says like, you bite the bar. (laughs) And then disappears because he's a ghost and then he can't leave the bar. He's just in this old rusty bar for all eternity by Mm. himself Mm. with no alcohol Mm. and he's just trapped in there. And so there's something in there and it's sort of the same with Black Mirror, but then that adds like the technological aspect of now because Black Mirror really is just, it's the Twilight Zone. It is. It's just 21st century Twilight Zone. Sure. One's horror and, and just deals with immediate fear, almost just our evolutionary fear what's surrounding us and then the other is uh far more complex and the other one yeah, starts playing on you psychologically what is that specific emotion when 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 you're scared okay in the dark you've just watched a horror movie you're scared to go to bed because you think there's a masked man lurking yeah. in the room yeah if you've watched something like The Twilight Zone or Black Mirror, you may be scared to fall into a trap like one of the characters have. What is that? Would that still be defined as fear? Well, you know what? A lot of it, now that I'm thinking about it, you know what? There's two basic things that happen in Black Mirror and in The Twilight Zone. I'm just piecing this together now, but a lot of Black Mirror is there's a digital imprint of you that gets caught in some hellish scenario Mm. that lasts forever. And in the Twilight Zone, it was always your soul caught in some nightmarish scenario forever, but they'd just always be playing around with it. And I suppose that the end result is always... If you just continue living forever, Mm. it'll be a hell. Mm. Mm. And there's also the other side of it as well. There's another episode once where Bruce Willis, and it was this big thing, so he started the season because it was the peak of his career, and just a better version of him rocks up, and it's never really explained why, and he starts turning his friends against him and 
patching together a bunch of relationships that he screwed up in his life and is better at his job than he is and kind of shames him into going anywhere. So he stays in this cheap motel just staring at this other version of him living a better life than he does. And then eventually, at one point, it really does kind of disturb me still, he's just kind of shivered in the corner of the hotel and the better version of Bruce Willis walks in and says, yeah, just patch things up with your girlfriend. I'm going to marry her. And then he goes, can I hold your hand? And then they just, he holds his hand for a second. He's like, bye. And then he just vanishes. The original Bruce Willis just goes, just wants to touch the better version of himself once. And then he just, I don't know, like, and then the thing comes in being like, consider a case where you, you know, there, there was no murder. There was, you know, like the case of Bruce Willis, uh, victim and victor at the same time or something like that. Right, But again, it's the same. No, it's not the same thing. But in most of them, it is just toying with your existence plus... Insecurity. Your existence plus insecurity, definitely. That situation it was, yeah. Meaning, purpose. Another one. This alien comes in, possesses people's bodies, and then those people actually want to go with the alien. And the alien that has just been around, it's just kind of this blob that goes into people and then once it touches them, they can morph into that person and it knows everything about them. Yep. And then that alien stops doing it after a while, gets bored because it's obviously learned everything about Earth that it can after, like, touching three people. It's about to leave and another scientist comes up to it and it goes, what are you? And it just goes, like, I've been around since the beginning of the universe. It's like, you must know a lot, huh? He's like, oh, yeah. You want to join? Puts his hand out and then he goes, nah, better not. And the alien goes, bye, and just goes into the universe and leaves again. And I suppose the scenario is... He had the chance as a scientist to know as much as any uh-huh. being will ever know about the universe. And it's not the destination, it's the process. I guess, but like that's he's the- he's gone and sure. it, that, that's gone. Like that, that opportunity is gone, but he's just got to stay there for the rest of his life thinking about him having the opportunity to know all of that and just live on, again, live on forever. Mm-hmm. Well, this relates to something I wanted to talk about as well. Uh, because virtual reality is continually being perfected. And already Facebook is talking about, well, now, now Meta, they're talking about creating uh, what are essentially real-life chat rooms. It's not, it's not unreasonable to think that in 10 years we could be in a room and through our perspective the vr is so good that it will feel like we're actually in that room with other people and i just wonder how that is going to what's the vr chat room at the moment i don't know what it is now but already i think they're toying with things where you can be an avatar and 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 interact with other avatars and actually have certain sensations um but I, i i just suppose coming back to that how are people going to find meaning when they can just exist in a completely different reality that could very well be them winning at the at the slots every single night or them having an orgy every single night because you know what 
We're already seeing the prototype of it. And I'm telling you, my friend, it's not pretty. Yep. It's not pretty. As we were discussing a few podcasts back, it has decimated the male population in Asia and not that much better here either, but it is better. Well, not just that, but that's a big thing. The, the, the human race will be wiped out. Surely, because there's no skills sure, anymore. Sure. Well, everyone who chooses to exist in the virtual world will be wiped out. And I'm sure the temptation will be increasingly strong. But I'm more concerned about well, what's actually going to happen because geography will not be restrictive any, any longer. You can just basically exist with a community of 100 people who are dispersed all across the world. So digital tribalism will become actual tribalism. And the, the matrix could become a foreseeable future. When you, a baby is born, a VR headset is put onto them, and they don't actually know anything about the real world that they live in. And then it obviously begs the question, well, how do we know we're not already in a simulation? Oh, yeah. Okay, here we go. So there's just a philosophical... There's just a black hole there. And, well, like, I don't, I don't buy into Elon Musk's argument that, well, how do we know that the actual universe is just so bleak and so dire that this is paradise in comparison to the bleak universe. That's true. But damn, this one's pretty bleak for a lot of people. And if it, if it was so good, why would so many of them be already escaping into World of Warcraft? Do your kids still play that? I don't know what they're into these days. Dota? You know? <laughs> I think it's still World of Warcraft, man. I no. Think, I think it is. I think, I don't know, I'm, I'm How so is out of still, touch yeah. with what the popular PC game is for Roblox. That's for kids, I think. <laughs> I don't know what that is. Very popular, apparently. But, uh, all right, well, what do you, what do you, what did the Twilight Zone make you think about specifically? It's, it's like, it's, it's the lamest first year uni subject ever that you talk with your mates about but then again what else is this podcast but like existence that's what the twilight zone makes you question i mm -hmm. swear that that's the end of it and it does kind of freak you out mm -hmm. and there is a lot of moments that are just autopilot the meaning of existence not even the meaning of existence. 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 In itself. Existence in itself. There's so many moments where you completely forget about it because your life is just so automated. Mm -hmm. Days. 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 And that, that same thing when it goes into AI. You lose even more time mm. out of existence. And... I don't know. There's something, and, and that's what I think that they were getting at, and that's why I think it's such a brilliant show that holds up, apparently, anyway. But, you know, the, the radio drama definitely did. That's because it's just toying with that basic idea. Mm. Just the, the, very, the very notion. It's, what, it's even down from being alive, 
It's just existing. It's like you, 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 you're here. And I suppose there's that whole thing of then you go into the, the, the philosophical point of like life is just whatever meaning you give it. And that's true. You do definitely give yourself a little story that you try and complete in your head. And that's sort of, I suppose, why gaming has done so well because it's just given you the idea that like here's your little goals, go do it. You don't have to think about it anymore. And whatever happens in that universe, like you're a pirate killing skeletons. So that's much sure. cooler than here. And so you can just go into that. That's the lazy man's version. Then I suppose there's the next level after that, which is, I guess, us, which is, see, the thing is, even with the internet now, which is, this kind of freaks me out as well. We are playing a game. We're playing a game. Everyone's playing a game now because everything's just so, as you pioneered in Australia almost, you just need a laptop and you need to talk into it. And as a result, you just see numbers go like, if people like it. And if people don't like it, there's a game there. So like everything. Real life pokies. Huh? It's like a pokies for real life. Not even pokies. There's rules to it. There's no rules to pokies. Pokies is sort of, like, people are like, I've got a system, bro. No, you don't. Yeah, you don't have a fucking okay. system. Like, pokies is more, pokies is pure random, right? But, like, there is everyone now, because of social media and stuff, like, so it's, it is it is that, like, it's, it's think, sort of your existence okay. is getting sucked into it. And now when I look back at my 20s, yeah, I'm proud of what I achieved and all that, blah, 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 blah. But there is something of kind of, like, your existence was sucked into that phone. Hmm. Do you think social media has just exacerbated our competitive tendencies in any time period of human history or uh, animal history could be seen as some kind of game, some kind of competition yes. for resources yes. and dominance? Yeah. So... What is what is unique about social media then? Because there's a very direct quantification of the game in your followers, in your likes. But the, I, I, I don't it, think it's it, it's no 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 no, and that, like it's created by human beings, so it's just sure. playing on that same tendency, I suppose. Which, but it's like a tool that is being used now, like what you're saying mm. with the spear and everyone, the game was to go out and hunt. That was the game mm. that was being played, I suppose. And that's why kittens, when they are babies, they just sit around playing with a ball of string. They're training to hunt a mouse, right? Mm. I, I do fully understand that, but there is... This is the difference. It's like playing marbles as opposed to playing, you know, e-marbles. It's the computer. It's the computer now. So there's... That's the difference. That things, sure, as you are variable. saying, things are getting more virtual. Yeah. Yeah. There's an and, there's and, an algorithm because previously the algorithm was, well, what was it? It was uh, the the universe. It was the laws of nature. That was the algorithm. So to succeed, to succeed pre-internet, internet, you had to abide by the laws of nature. Whereas now you are abiding by the algorithm set by the tech overlords. 
and there. So it is just yeah, it's it. That's the difference, right? Yeah, you're right. Like the tech overlords have sort of set what the rules are themselves, and you have to play within those rules. Wow, they really are God. And becoming it. And becoming it, and. I suppose there's just something as a really trite observation that everyone says. Everyone's just taking a photo of their food. It's it's very th- sorry. This is this this is going to be filled with a bunch of cliches. The rest of this podcast, but mm-hmm. well, everyone says that, and then they post it on social media. I mean, look at this. This is going on social on media. Social media. So, do you think it's irredeemably nefarious? Hasn't it done many good things? Hasn't it been able to connect like-minded people, exposed us to different ideas? And if we have enough discipline to resist the uh, the tempting aspects of it, and there's plenty of those, uh, we can actually use it as a tool for good. I mean, we've got all of human knowledge in the palm of our hands. But... Do we use it for that? No. No, but I, we, we can. I, I, sw- I don't know. Maybe we are dumb and maybe we're not. I don't know. No, I don't think we are. I don't think we are stupider. But it is, I think the entire basis of cyberpunk is constantly toying with that one question of when do you stop being a human? When do you start being a robot? And if you are a robot, and this is what the really good cyberpunk ones do, then someone must be programming in the orders. And then I suppose something that's like really deep, like Ghost in a Shell, the whole point is that the machine has a soul and so there's just something that they can't ever really control. And went even deeper than that because then the soul kind of became digitized and then just lived on forever through that. But... I, I, I find it quite strange that if you think about it, what what have we done with our existence? In what? Just us? Like so far. So far. The, the story of Neil. What's happened? You <laughs> spent a lot of time posting things. Uh, that That's true. Sure. I have. Well, I've also, it's not like I've spent 24 hours a day online. Sure, it's definitely been a I'm large part close. of my life. But... I think I'm getting close, though. Like, how, okay. how often, okay. how much, how much of, a large give, part give, me, of give, me, give me, give me a pie, sure. give me a, a pie chart. How a much lot, of it do you think no. that you spend? A couple of hours a day, for sure. Well, a couple of hours a day, either online or, or uh, in front of a screen, because yeah. I'm editing or yeah. posting. yeah. That's actually not as bad okay, as I thought. That's but, all right. But there's this romantic idea of, oh, before the internet. Look, people were also spending 10 hours a day in offices or before that they were spending 10 to 12 hours a day in factories. And the same sort of questions would have risen. Are you really living if you're working in a steel mill for 12 hours a day? Are you just part of a machine? Are you part of... Are you, are you a cog? And... Yeah, right, yeah. Well, in any complex human society, there's a the vast majority of people are just the pawns. And the game is trying to 
reach that upper echelon where you no longer have to be the pawn. But then even within the oligarchy, I'm sure there's still a game that they play to be number one. Well, I'll tell you something that is like very, very... uh, This is something else that... Ever since I've gotten really, really, really into politics, people have this vague idea and they're going to misinterpret this. But like a lot of a politician's job is feigning confidence and giving people some kind of like light to flicker towards when they're not really sure of much that's going on. They're much more sure of what's going on than we are. But also, they're also playing in this machine because if you talk to the average politician, they're always talking about how to make sure that they get pre-selection and what this little faction in their party is doing. Like a lot of their life is consumed by their own party's machine and they spend a lot of time thinking about that and how to make sure that they stay in that position. Mm-hmm. So, so there's this own- idea of like it's it's very strange thinking that a lot of what they are doing is feigning confidence to the community and and a lot of their job is kind of just constantly giving this little assurance that everything's under control. And I think that that's something that okay. I've realized is, you know what? John Cleese was saying this the other day. It was just like, you know, it took me like 70 years to figure this out. But I just realized no one knows what the fuck they're talking about. And I was like, you know, there's obviously an oversimplification to that, but sure. not not that over much, much of an oversimplification. So do you think the incentive structures for every single person is beyond their control, so they're just being pulled by invisible strings of a system that's so grand that they can't actually have any real control over that. And everyone's sort of a free agent in that. Mm. So there's a, the puppeteer of the politicians is, well, it's the party, but it's also their... But their self-interest. It's their self-interest. And there's also, as I'm always saying, there's big industries behind that that are pushing them to say things and sure. act in a certain way. And as we figured out recently with New and South Wales and stuff, there's people that are obviously too stupid to understand what those things are doing and they're doing that. But the other thing that I'd say in that is that the people in those industries, say, yeah. they yeah. don't fucking know what they're doing either. Yeah. Like they know that they're supposed to be getting... I don't know, more land for corn or whatever. But that's all they're thinking about. Mm. That's it. So there's no grand overseer of anything. And you're left back with that square one thing of like, okay, they might be richer than the factory person, but usually they were kind of just plonked in that position. Like the factory worker was sort of just plonked in that position. There's very little free will in any of that Mm, mm. they're all kind of there and again they're just sort of existing 
And it, it I don't know, it's just that it, it just keeps coming back to that one thing of like, it's not even, it's, it's beyond what's the point. It's kind of just like... It's it's a little more than this without because I understand that the next thing is well you got to make the the point of your own thing but it's just like and, and it gets that real hippie lame question that's done over and over again but it's just like what are we doing here man you know like it's just that question is actually I think the question that's quite confronting I think that that's the question that's sort of happening in the twilight zone it's like sure. what are we doing here and if it just keeps going like. <laughs> Right. After a while, that gets a bit hellish. Okay. We're on a treadmill. You're on a bit of a treadmill. Mm, mm. And I think that a lot of that goes into that idea of just being very unconscious throughout all of it. Okay. Yeah. You're just not thinking about it much. Like, even when I walked in then today, right? Do this every time I come in here. And I'm not going to stop. Like, it's just like, I got a long drive here. So I go straight to your giant, do a whiz, and then I get a tea, and then I sit down. And I don't even think about it. Don't even think about it. In fact, it's so sure. pre organized that you just gave me a tea. I did. Today. Today? Yep. Right. So and like, on, it's just you're like. You're on autopilot. You're just on autopilot. There's like, and there just must be so much of your life that's like that. Yeah, the majority of your life would be like that. So there's just all of these moments of existence where you, you could be doing something completely different. Sure. But again, you can't. This is the Indian guru thing, but you're not conscious enough. You're not conscious enough to even think about that. No. Do, don't you think there are moments of consciousness that can then direct the other actions in your life? So when you do Slightly sit down more, yeah. and actually think about what you want to do, what you want to be, what you want to achieve, what your life uh, should mean in the ideal scenario, that's when you can be the puppet master. And of course, there are boundaries to that, whatever system you're a part of. But there are certain moments where there may be two doors and you get to choose which door to open and cumulatively cumul- uh, cumulatively those decisions can pay dividends in the long term yes but that's still going back to you're creating your own meaning and that's great and i highly recommend it i really do but if you think about it, when you're sitting there creating your own, all right, okay, I'll give you this. As we're always talking about comedians in the 90s, comedians in the 90s, their goal would not have been, I want to be a YouTuber, purely because it didn't exist. Sure. So the entire conditions of what you're thinking is kind of just forced into you by like the time that you're in and and the experiences that you're having so you're like even when you're sitting there making that decision you're not making that decision you you, like you might have a little bit more clarity where you can think all right i'm sick of this job i'm going to get another job yeah but there's no so there's no free will basically there's no free will and then your genetics there's no free will
and that 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 next point of just I don't know, man. It it freaks me out. Just this sort of. That's the that's the best way. Just just plonked there and like kind of just existing for a bit. I don't know. There's something yeah. to, to me personally. It's just quite disturbing. It's probably like when you think about it, it's like extremely obvious. But if you think about, you just draw on that point for a long time. It just starts to wig me out a bit. Sure. I these kind of deep existential questions I don't like to think about too deeply because one you go in circles and two yeah it does become quite it can become very nihilistic. Yeah, it becomes say. nihilistic. Hmm. You're right. What do you want right. to do with both that of those things? With, now that you have had this epiphany, it's, what do you think can be done? It's not it's not even the epiphany and it's exactly what you said. You're right. You just go around in circles after a while because it's just you hit a dead end. But it's interesting to note that there is damn damn. I think that that's the whole that's when you get to the next point, but to pointlessness. And this is actually the core of the self-help thing of just you've got to give yourself like something direction in life and how you're always just saying like to to depressed people the first thing you say to them is just like pick a goal any goal doesn't matter just get a goal Mm -hmm. that's what i think it actually is that's what's disturbing about it that's what's disturbing about most of the twilight zones episodes because it's just pointlessness they kind of just that's what's disturbing to the human mind yeah. It likes to sense out order. It hates it when something's just sort of... It scares it. I don't know why. Mm. It's scary to people. It's definitely scary to me. It seems like it's scary to everyone if that's, you know, like a universal... That's what The Twilight Zone was really tapping into that no one else, none of the other horror films tap into. It's not like, I'm going to kill you. It's further than that. It's like... You're not dying. Like you're, you're, <laughs> that's way more disturbing. You're not dying. You're living in that reality forever. Mm, mm. And that's way scarier than dying. Mm. Even like a witch killing you or something is better than that. Right. Because everyone has the illusion that whatever reality they exist in is working towards something. There's something around the corner that's improved or better, but the environment is also existing in its own reality and is moving at such now such a rapid pace that you're continually drifting further and further away from whatever goals you may have had yeah and then eventually you start to realize well what's that goal was just artificially constructed and not even by me it was just constructed by whatever environment i was i happened to be born into and exist in yeah yeah. Mm. And so now it's kind of, yeah, you're right. Like you, you, you're picking it more, but I suppose that's the whole thing. If you, if you just, if you move back for a second, it's summed up, I think, best in the, that game Second Life. And that's what you oh, were yeah. talking about as well. That's something that I don't know what exactly is unsettling to people about that, but there is something unsettling about having like a you life and a digital life. 
But then again, there's a lot of nerds that's not unsettling at all. But again, it's because they hate their life. You know why it probably is? It's probably because if you aren't one of those nerds, you have this suspicion in your life at least that you can improve the circumstances of your actual life. Right. Instead of giving up. And it's meaningful to some degree. Meaningful to some degree. Mm. But I suppose those geeks, they've given up on their existence. And so they've just thought like, okay, well... Space colony and Blade Runner, screw this planet. Let's just go live in a little spaceship mm-hmm. up in the Earth. That's what's happening there. Yeah, yeah. So there is two things there that like... Hmm. Your life sucks? Why not live another? Your life sucks. This was something, I think, for a year nine play or something like that. We did something about this, the second life. Yeah? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we did all these the things that we thought were like so deep. <laughs> what was it? What well, was I it? I barely remember. It was also very absurdist and and, and uh, interpretive. So we were all dressed in. There was one moment where I think I was, I was saying, I'm free. And I was trying to break away from the group. And there were all these tableaus. If you did drama, just that word tableau will give you mm. shivers. Mm. And I was slowly breaking away and I was saying, I'm free. And then they were like, trapped. And I'm free, trapped. And then eventually the traps uh, grew in volume and I just dwindled. <laughs> yes. I'm so deep, man. Okay, so like a, a, a reverse growing flower. Yeah. Like you were going back into the sea. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's so good, isn't it? Because yeah, you're right. That all all those tableaus, you were sort of getting at something, but you didn't really have enough life experience to get there. Mm-hmm. So there was a huge fall short. It actually reminded me of what I described. Someone described to me the other day the definition of cringe. And I, like you know, you, you have that feeling of like, Ugh. but I think that that happens when somebody is sort of not aware enough of what they were saying at the time. There was, so for instance, everything that we say can always just be interpreted as cringe because that's the whole point of this podcast is because you're just trying to work at something desperately, right? And so there's just all these points where you can just sit there and be like, no, you know, because there's just a, you're trying to extend past your abilities. Like, you know that yes. fat kid that was doing the saber, lightsaber stuff? That's, that's like, exactly what we're doing, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's past our abilities and we're just messing around. We're playing. We're, we're playing with ideas. This is very cringy, but uh, you need to be able to do that in order to actually find what works or what could work or a new line of thinking. No, well, this is exploring the the edges of the forest of our knowledge. That's the way I'd put it. And also, I think that if that, yes, definitely. But if that fat kid was doing the lightsaber stuff and wasn't 15 Uh and was maybe 35 and was doing that for the last 20 years, you'd be like, damn, that fat kid's lethal. It's just because he just didn't have enough time to not be cringy. But you kind of just, I, I think that that is a... Damn, how's this for Gary, Gary V? If you want to be successful, you got to be cringe, bro. You got to be cringe you as gotta fuck. You got to fail. <laughs> you got to fail first. You got to be willing to fail. All those cliches, they're true. But and what you're saying is true. It's not cliche either. 
I just struggled to know what to do with it. I've got to actually read Sam Harris's books on free will uh, because that is a very insurmountable and just awesome question. What do you do knowing that you don't have free will and that your path is determined and the ability to construct meaning is an illusion? Dude, I'll... My, my answer so far is like, I just don't think about it too much. But I think that that's... Look, honestly, that's probably the best thing. I was purely just thinking about it of like, why is that TV show so good? Yeah. That was all... Well, <laughs> so... yeah, look, you're on... It's onto something. It's That's what I'm saying, right? It was onto something. You're right. Um, Do you think there's something that, we, you know... As individuals, we're so limited in our grasp of understanding the world around us and understanding our nature that... The collective wisdom of humans throughout the centuries is something that we should respect and potentially even venerate. And that's what religion is. It's just this sort of logbook that everyone who is wise, who may have had some interesting thoughts, has contributed to. And for a 19-year-old atheist to be like, man, it's so stupid and it's dumb. That's cringe now that I think about Mm, it. mm. But there was a point where that wasn't cringe at all. There was a point where that was just sure. the the ultimate of human thought. To say that... Wasn't the- there this weird point between like maybe 2003 and 2009 of we're beyond God now. Yeah, yeah. And then, I don't know. And, it's, and then- I guess Jordan Peterson came back and was like, no, God is not... Yeah. I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyone who's an atheist is cringe. And then everyone yeah, started getting wow. smug about being religious again. Man, you know what happens? It's just kind of like when someone <laughs> creates a new idea, uh, they've usually thought about it extremely deeply and they have a complex understanding of what that is. But then their followers, uh, their initial followers, their initial band of, say, 10 followers don't have as complex an understanding. And then those each have another, they spread it in a way. It's just Chinese whispers. And by the 10th, connection it's just someone who's very dumb who doesn't really know what they're talking about Mm. so i'm sure jesus was a very very intelligent wise man but then you know matthew mark and luke uh still pretty wise not as wise all the way down to the the bible basher today who's just a complete idiot idiot yeah it's like trickle down wisdom and by the the last person there's just there's nothing there Oh, my God. You're not wrong. There's also something as well of like, yes, there's the trickle down through time. There's the expanse of how many people there are. So, there's just because that one person there was thinking it, you know, a billion people can't be thinking about it that much. And funnily enough, that's actually what degrades, well, the efficacy of a certain worldview or... uh, or our philosophy, it's the stereotype that is promulgated of the, the, the unwise adherent. So people aren't uh, meticulously studying the Bible and then saying, mm, Christianity is dumb. They're, 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 they're listening to the, the American preacher who doesn't really know what they're talking about. And then seeing that played out, multiple times 
and that archetype replicated and then coming to the conclusion that mm, Christians don't. Mm. So f- do you think do you think there's something to say that for for a for a worldview or a philosophy or whatever it may be to truly remain successful there needs to be some level of gatekeeping. There needs to be some people who say no 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 you can't actually spread these ideas yet. You're not there. You're not there. You know there's there's a there's, a, there's an arduous process to become a monk. I'm assuming. I don't know. I just assume that from some TV shows I've watched. But I can't go around just spreading Buddhist philosophy. I mean, a lot of people do on podcasts nowadays. But really, you should be listening to the most respected sages. The thing is, hierarchies can also become corrupt. As we talk about with the media, and people actually are quite perceptive and can see, ah, look, the people who are supposedly the experts in this field, who are supposedly the masters of their craft, suck. Mm. So that throws a spanner in the no, works. No, it doesn't throw it? a spanner in the works because it's exactly what you're describing with religion. That's definitely what's happened to the press. It has become more degenerate with each generation. So it wasn't the gatekeepers didn't do their job. They let too many people through into the into the castle, if you will. Well, like- and the more liberal you are in, in allowing people to reach the summit of a given hierarchy, the more... It degrades the hierarchy itself. Would you agree with something like that? So the more people, no, no, you the say, hierarchy well, you is still in place. The hierarchy is still in place, but it's just. Let me put it this way: Look, as I pointed out in my stand-up show, it was invented by the Ministry of Information. The current way that the press system works now, just the basic form of it. I suppose that would be the teachings of Christianity. That is how the press operates now. The propaganda model, I suppose, is kind of like the, the teachings of Bernays and Walter Lippmann saying this is how you indoctrinate the masses into whatever your ideas are. Mm-hmm. But now journalists are getting to that point where they are that Bible basher that hands, you know, puts out the fucking sign sure. just being like, God hates fags, you know? <laughs> <laughs> wow. I hope they hear that. That is such an insult. <laughs> you know, like they, they don't understand yeah. all the little interlinkages that came to them saying sure. that. There's too many generations removed from it. Mm. So... It's not that too many people were let into the hierarchy. It's just that through time, through information getting passed down is what you were saying, atrophy. Uh Okay. The bar just keeps getting lowered. Yeah. You know, like you look back at journalists in the 80s and the same rules apply under the Bernays and Lippmann model, definitely. But the journalists... We're not as stupid as they are now. Mm, mm. The guys doing the documentaries and all that kind of stuff, they were much sharper and more put together. Okay, there's definitely multifarious factors at play. I do believe one of them could be that if you are too generous in handing out accolades, if you will, or just allowing people, if you're in a position of power in any given hierarchy or reality or whatever you want to call it, and you are... uh, 
allowing too many people to uh, succeed and to um, step forward within the tribe or the craft when they sh otherwise shouldn't be attaining that certain level of expertise or shouldn't be uh, seen as that level of expertise. It degrades the overall hierarchy because then that person is in a position of power to allow other people in. And Once you let one idiot in, they then have the ability to let other people in and they're going to let in other idiots. That's probably a better way to describe it. That's, mm. the, that's the same. Mm. You think there's a parable to be written there, mm. you know? There's a, there's a castle of wise men and usually there's like a 10-year uh, arduous process to enter that castle. One day, one, one man lets in someone who's only gone through seven years of that arduous yeah, process. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He'll learn, he'll year, pick it up. And then the next year, that person lets in three other people. Yeah, yeah, who didn't That guy's almost as smart as me. From yeah. the process. And then, just exacerbates. i got to write that. I think that's probably, that's probably what's going on. A laziness starts to set in. Yes, yes. The standard isn't maintained. But how did we get up to that? Because you're talking about hey, actually, existential. existential. Here's here's something to that. Have you ever heard this crisis. little Sam Harris question? You probably almost certainly have. But have you heard the think of a movie? No, but I've heard him say things along those lines. Like what? Isn't there one about think of an elephant? Think of a pink elephant. Oh no no no! Don't think of a pink. Yeah, elephant. don't think of a pink elephant. No, 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 maybe is, that's not this him. Is, this is a different okay. one. Sure. Just think of a movie. Okay. What was it? Con Air. <laughs> I don't know why. <laughs> that was my favorite movie as a kid. Nicolas Cage at his peak. Was he in that? Yep. It's about all these prisoners who were on a plane and then uh, they escape the, uh, their shackles within the plane and then they take over the plane. But Nicolas Cage saves the plane or something. oh that's sick i think and then john cusack is in it i think i just loved it as peak, a kid because it's peak. just it's just non-stop action yeah I, I i thought you were thinking of air bud no but no. con air sounds like a much better movie what was what's that what, what does so the, See, the idea is, the is that thing. i came up with that before you asked the question right or is it that i when i actually articulated what i thought of my brain was a couple of steps ahead of that, actually thinking about it, because I know he's talked about how they've gotten people to uh, think of there are there are a series of uh, shapes or something that are coming through uh, a line or a some sort of wheel, and you're supposed to guess the next shape, and then there's someone guesses the next shape where before it's say. He was saying this to Joe Rogan. I can't remember what exactly it was, but it was really interesting. It was somehow an electrical signal had gone off in someone's brain before they'd actually seen something. I can't remember exactly what it was, but it was a, it was an experiment to prove that we don't have free will. Is that what the movie thing is? No, that was more interesting than mine. Okay. His whole point, way better. <laughs> His whole point was that, okay, you thought of a film. Yeah. There's 
for you specifically, a 0% chance that it was going to be a Nigerian film yeah. or a Korean film, mm-hmm. even one from New Zealand. I'd, I'd put it pretty close to 0%. There's a big chance that it was going to be American. And the biggest, biggest, biggest chance that it was going to be a movie that you saw mm. as opposed to one that you vaguely knew existed. Mm-hmm. And so all of these other po- like uh, things that are eliminated when you're just asking like a very specific question, like think of a film, you are going to go instantly to something that you have personally experienced, meaning that like everything else is eliminated. And so there's just going to be this like ready to go thing just based on your personal experience. And so every action that you are taking Mm -hmm. is just based off of that personal experience before. And then that just starts guiding you day to day. So you're not actually doing anything. (laughs) Yeah, You're not actually doing anything. You're just like reliving that over and over. Yep based on something else that was just popped into you by random chance, basically because it had a bigger marketing budget than the Nigerian films. Yeah. It was just chucked in. I happened to be exposed to that at a young age and through a formative period of my life and for whatever reason, my uh, compulsions at the time made me uh, develop a liking for that film and that's just stayed in the periphery of my mind. Do you think that it so was that because it was you enjoyed being a kid that you enjoyed the film? I, I I don't know, man. Like I said, it was just a roller coaster of action. And I just remember pretty much till I was a teenager, I would always be like, that's my favorite film. And I probably still is. <laughs> still? I don't well, Hell I can't yeah. think of whatever what else it otherwise could be. Connie is still your favorite. Well, just for sentiment, just sentimentally, I because it was my favorite as a kid. I think I'll. Before that, it was The Lion King, and then I really like all the ones that everyone else likes: The Shawshank Redemption and Fight Club. I don't really have a very unique film palette. It's just the classics that everyone likes. I tend to like them too. Yeah, I think that's and again, unless you are an extreme film buff. That's watched most. There's just there's kind of things that are just universally accepted, mm. which again, like I think I've talked about this before, but that does really scare me. Again, that there's just all these collective experiences that virtually everyone on planet Earth has. So everyone's just like in their mind, just had inserted into their head. Oh yeah, the Shawshank Redemption happened. That's one of my memories. It's an invented thing i don't know if it was based on a true story i can't remember but like it's just it's just plonked into your head but we can share it as if it was just like oh yeah remember when we played backyard cricket once and we smashed a window it's just everyone and that's again something that i've like comedically i'm trying to get rid of but you just can't you can't because it's just too much of an easy giveaway in the laugh because Mm. a lot of it is just based off of collective experience and I think the best ones are those, remember smashing a neighbor's window. I think that makes people laugh more because it's more specifically Australian. But it's too easy to take the movie option out every time because mm. virtually everyone's seen Minority Report or knows of it. Yeah. You know? Which is just, again, it's one of those things of like human experience is just getting more and more homogenized 
and digitized and very little of it is actually real anymore. But those digital experiences will create the same neurochemical response that a real life experience would have 10, 15 years ago if the VR is that effective. So... And does that scare you or not? Well, it's a big change, but then when you actually think about it, that may actually be better than just staring at a screen. If you're in a room with six other people and you really feel conscious in that moment and you you feel like you are genuinely interacting with those other people, well, that will be implanted as though it... Well, it will be implanted as a real memory. So maybe it's not all doom and gloom with VR. Could you could like with any amazing new technology, if it's used for good, it can be good. But what if it gets to that point where it's like, if you die in the game, you die in real life? Because it'll probably Ooh, get to that yeah. stage. The ethics almost, of that almost would be very interesting. If you kill someone in VR, are you then guilty of murder? So many new rules and guidelines that would be, oh, my God. Because that's what's happening, right? Like, you are recreating. So, this moment that we live in now, okay, we live in cities, and those cities are almost exclusively artificial, some elements of nature. But We're taking it to the next level with that where everything is artificial. Meaning, as I guess what you're talking about at the beginning of it, right, that means that the entire rules are going to be, all the rules are going to be invented. And then whoever makes those rules means that everybody is just going to have to start behaving in a certain way within that universe. And probably just like how people that didn't get onto social media now got left behind in our generation... If you don't go into VR, you'll probably be left behind by that. So, there's, like, everyone's always scared of China's kind of, like, whatever that is, citizen currency or whatever the thing they're coming up with. Mm-hmm. It's really... No. Again, it's, it's like my constant to and fro with China and here, where it's just like, you're not that much freer here. And I think that that's probably what's going to happen in VR. Yeah, who knows, man? Like you're such a new. It's probably it's... going to be very coercive and 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 like it is now, unconsciously guiding you into someone else's grand plan. Because what would a post look like in VR? It wouldn't be posts. You wouldn't have a feed. You'd just be in some. F- sort of digital space with other like-minded people or with people who have accepted some invite to be in that digital space and then you can say what you want and then maybe more people could gravitate towards that. How would shares work? Would there be share? You know, if there were was a virtual Twitter, what would that look like? Do you... Are you would everyone with a Twitter account have some sort of avatar and each time someone tweeted, they're, they're, you put your Oculus 
10,000 on in 10 years and your Twitter followers are actually speaking in some sort of town square that you feel like you're in. It's just... There's a lot of scope for creativity for the engineers to create this. Yeah. For them. Yeah. For them. Yeah. What would a virtual... But I would YouTube imagine, look like. you know what though? I would imagine like that. Plays. Man, you know what? Okay. Holy shit, theater will make a comeback because you, you actually, you'll be there. Hmm. So it's not about screen acting. It's not about being natural on the camera anymore. It's about really being in the moment. Ah, <laughs> you're on the up, theater kids. It was a century. Of losing out to TV and then YouTube. You're going to make a comeback. All right. There's going to be VR plays. And the VR plays would actually be... Say you're playing a witch. Mm -hmm. You could probably actually do all these cool effects on stage. And so, it would be... Wow. Somewhere between a play and a movie. Yeah, it would be a play and with... A mashup of a Marvel... Movie with incredible CGI and play. Yeah, hang in there, theater kids. Wow. Yeah, no, no cuts, no retakes. Someone's just there in that digital world. Oh, I mean, look, well, they can actually going to keep people's attention. It might actually, if you're just walking around. Well, I suppose you know those games like Morrowind or some shit where you're just walking for six hours. God, there'd be a whole... So, whoever you follow on YouTube, you'd walk into some kind of virtual space where you'd actually see, hey, you'd, you'd actually be existing in Jordan's new video and in Frenchie's new video and in Neil's new video. And it would be filmed in some, in, in, with a VR camera. Wait, would that go back to just medieval times? And essentially what you're describing is just when Shakespeare lived. Uh, I mean, and then there'd be like us just sitting on a soapbox in some town square yelling and next to me is Frenchie yelling as well. <laughs> that, and- could, that could be what it is. <laughs> I mean, well, 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 how fuck. else could it, where, where else would the technology, how else could it evolve? There's, there's already, because Facebook did this whole, well, we're changing to meta because we want to explore the metaverse. And be the first social media giant to really tap into virtual reality. Talking about something called smart glasses. But see, doesn't that just sound like it'll fry your eyeballs and that feeling that you get when you've been on the net for six hours is going to be intensified. Sure, but that's what everyone would have thought when the first computers came out with chat rooms and then eventually MySpace. But... Were they wrong? Well, no, but eventually everyone just catches on and becomes addicted anyhow. If the technology is that immersive, and if that many, if there's enough of a tidal wave of 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 attention and eyeballs going towards whatever it may be, other people simply can't ignore it. That's what happened with Facebook. Facebook was initially what TikTok is now. It was teenagers posting memes, being edgy. And then slowly but surely, people in their 20s, people in their 30s started to join. And then there would have been workplace conversations. Hey, did you hear what this person said on Facebook? Have you seen this person on Facebook? And eventually there would have been enough pressure for older people to join. And now it's only old people on there. So if that trend continues, the exact same thing is going to happen with TikTok. 
Because right now it's all kids. Where it differs from Facebook is it was teenagers on Facebook, whereas there are kids on TikTok. So I wonder if in, uh, yeah, 15, not even, in five to, to 10 years, it's all old people on TikTok and, and the teenagers have migrated to, to VR. I don't know. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we're actually going to end that podcast there. That is part one of what is going to be a two-part series. Hope you enjoyed that one. Make sure you like, comment, and subscribe. Uh, Stay tuned for next week. You have anything to say for the conclusion? Thanks for watching. Figure out your existential dread, guys. (laughs) We solve it in the next podcast, okay? We go really deep about what the existential issues of tomorrow are going to be. All right, thanks for listening, guys. We'll see you next time.